Hello, teacher friends. Welcome to episode number 76 of the Beyond Measure podcast. My name is Christina Whitlock, and yes, I like to call myself your anytime piano teacher friend because, well, that's exactly what I try to be here. (laughs) The whole purpose of this podcast is to provide you with a little camaraderie in the profession especially in seasons like this, where it can be very difficult to make time for social arrangements with your real-life music teacher friends. Last week, I made a pretty big promise to you. I vowed to share one of my, like, guiding principles when it comes to the way I approach my studio. Are you ready for it? (laughs) Well, ready or not, here it comes. (laughs) Today, we are talking about my zero energy list. (laughs) My zero energy list is made up of three things that I do not let myself spend any mental or emotional energy on. (laughs) I've mentioned this list in passing here on the podcast, and I know I definitely talked about it in the webinar I gave for MTNA last spring, but even if you've heard this from me already, I think it's probably a very timely reminder (laughs) that wouldn't hurt you to hear a second or even a third time. I think we all know how important it is to pick your battles in life, right? I mean, a huge part of effective teaching is knowing what exactly needs your attention in this moment and what to let go for another day. So likewise, If you let yourself get swept up in every frustration from every student and every family member in your studio, you are going to drown yourself in negative emotions and you will not enjoy this profession for very long. My zero energy list, these three things that I do not spend any emotions on, keep me a happy, focused teacher. Now, as a reminder, lest you think I have always had this figured out, (laughs) please remember that pretty much everything I talk about on this podcast is a product of my own experiences to the contrary. (laughs) I tell you these things so you can either try to learn from my past mistakes before they happen to you, Or, maybe even more importantly, you might feel better about your own past by being reminded that you are not alone. You never are, by the way. (laughs) That's why we all need time with our teacher friends, right? (laughs) We feel alone until we talk to each other. And then we realize, like, wow, these struggles are not just mine. (laughs) Imagine that. Anyway, I'm sure you are itching for me to get to the list. And so, let's start with the first thing on my zero energy list. I refuse to spend any emotional energy on how my studio families parent their children. (laughs) Hmm, I know, I'm starting with a big one. (laughs) 
But here's the thing. We are all guilty of feeling like a bigger part of our students' lives than we really are. (laughs) That sounds like a downer, but hear me out. We are an important, and I mean really important part of our students' lives, no doubt about it. But we are also just one tiny component of their great big lives. And it's really important to remember this because it tells us, number one, that there is always more going on in their lives than we know about. We get a very, and I mean very small glimpse of their family dynamics during our studio interactions. And quite frankly, like I confessed here a couple of weeks ago, if my parenting was judged based on how I interact with my youngest during her violin lessons, well, let's just say there would be a lot of questioning about my ability to handle this whole child-rearing thing. (laughs) It's just not always my finest moment. So yes, I mean, we never know what happens in any family behind their closed doors. So we can think a parent-child relationship appears strained when really it's not. And obviously, the opposite can be true as well. Some family relationships appear to be fully intact when that case is quite different in reality. And so, since we never really know what a parent is or is not doing in their relationship with their children, I refuse to spend any amount of time worried about it or frustrated by it or any of those things. Besides, and (laughs) I kind of can't believe I'm saying this out loud, but it's true. As parents, part of the territory is the fact that we get to decide what kind of parents we're going to be. It's a right that comes with the birth certificate. (laughs) Now, certainly I am not speaking of extreme cases here. As a teacher, if you are seeing any kinds of signs of abuse or situations that could leave a student in danger, you do have an obligation to speak up. But that's not what I'm talking about here. I'm talking about frustrations that can creep in when you think a parent favors one child over another, or you don't like the way they communicate with their child, or you don't like the way a family approaches practice time. If you have communicated your expectations for practice and those expectations do not match up with the families, you have two choices. You can either let them know that you are not a good fit for them and dismiss that student, or you can agree to disagree and make the exception to your own expectations. Now, making exceptions is dicey territory. And if you aren't aware, I have a whole episode on making exceptions. It's number 53. So I'm just saying that keeping a student on your roster when your expectations of practice are not aligning with the parents is nothing more than guaranteed frustration on your part. And the same thing could be said for all kinds of frustrations we find with the ways our parents are approaching their students' music lessons. I say this out of love, friends, but you are not going to change a parent's mind on how to parent their child. 
it's not even your place to do so. We all know how easy it is to parent someone else's child, right? (laughs) Or, you know, how everyone thinks they have everything all figured out until they actually have children of their own. (laughs) Well, every child is different. We know this as teachers. And in the vast majority of cases in your studio, no one actually knows those students better than their parents. And that is why I refuse to spend mental energy on how someone parents or doesn't parent their children. Moving on. (laughs) Bullet point number two on my zero energy list is this. I do not waste any time judging how a family spends their money. (laughs) This is a great rule for every aspect of life, my friends. Just don't concern yourself with how other people spend their money. I've said it on the podcast before, and I'll say it again. (laughs) You just never know the whole story of their financial picture. Listen, I know. We all have those families who drive extravagant cars and go on exotic vacations and live in beautiful homes and then squabble with you over not getting a makeup lesson before their trip to Fiji or, you know, they refuse to purchase that $5 book or whatever. It happens frequently, actually. (laughs) A lot of times, Wealthier families are wealthy because they are very frugal with their money. They watch their pennies carefully. And sure, you and I can definitely agree that the cost of a child's musical education and the relationship you add to their lives is worth a lot more than the Maserati they drive. But the hard truth here is, You don't get to impress your values on these families. I mean, it's not even going to work if you try it. And besides, it bears noting that sometimes these families have to be tight with their money after that trip to Greece because they spent their money on a trip to Greece. Your job is to provide clear expectations and follow your studio policies consistently. If you choose to make exceptions, your families don't owe you anything extra just because they appear to have more resources than you. (laughs) I mean, being wealthy shouldn't make someone a target of our frustration, and neither should families who live below the poverty line. I know I don't want to be judged for the purchases I choose to make or those that I don't. It's just poor taste, friends. And again, It's not going to change a single thing to spend your energy stewing over the fact that so-and-so is insisting on a lesson credit when they just bought their 12-year-old the newest iPhone. (laughs) Goodness, I'm sweating over here. I'm getting all worked up. (laughs) So on to our third and final bullet point for this week. I do not spend energy complaining about how studio families spend their time. (laughs) All of the points I've made today continue to ring true in this point. 
Yes, I know it's frustrating that parents will give up entire weekends, even pulling their kids out of school early on occasion, to facilitate their travel volleyball leagues. I know. It can baffle the mind why they're willing to spend so much time on one activity when we're over here just asking for some daily practice time on the instrument. Being met with resistance on that point can be incredibly frustrating. I know some students have large, and I mean like super large families, who seem to have big birthday parties like every other week. <laughs> students have church commitments, sports, and school clubs, and vacations, and I mean, I just, I know they all take their toll on what we want from them in private music lessons and practice time. But here's the thing. If you decide to draw the line in the sand and say, hey, it's my way or the highway, <laughs> you are pretty much guaranteed to lose. So again, you get to decide if you want to work with these families or not. I mean, that is your call as your own business owner. You sweat that decision. But if you decide to keep them on your studio roster, stop complaining about their busy schedules. It's not doing any of us any good. I speak the truth in love, my friends. I mean it. If you are frustrated by the amount of time that so-and-so spends playing video games when he's not getting his practice time in, you can and should communicate to his parents that adequate practice time is not happening. What you can't, or at least shouldn't, do is expect him to play fewer video games just because his piano teacher says so. That is outside of your realm of influence. <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. Look, it's not that these three things don't cause us concern. Obviously, they do. And from the outside, we can sometimes see things that those in the family unit can't. But even still, I think it's really important we know how to keep our role in these students' lives in a healthy perspective. Doing so is good for business, and it's also good for our own sanity. <laughs> Do you remember that old serenity prayer about like accepting the things you cannot change and the courage to do what you can, and the wisdom to know the difference? <laughs> well, I'm just urging you here to be wise about where your energy is going. It's tough, friends, I know. We give our heart to these students, and we become so fully invested in them and their potential as human beings. It doesn't seem fair that we are a smaller part of their lives than they are of ours. But that's the truth. The good news is, as they grow into adulthood, fingerprints of your influence will be all over their lives. And a good chunk of the time, they will grow to see that and come back and say thank you. Next month, I am going to be celebrating 27 years of private teaching for me. And it's so fun to know 
that so many of my former students are out in the world doing like real life work and having positive influence in their own environments. And yeah, I have been caught by surprise more times than I can count by students who have come back with beautiful testimonies of how my presence in their lives impacted them long term for the better. And here's the thing. It's so often the students that I had no clue I was influencing. This is why I feel so strongly about those quiet students and the challenging students and the ones that are harder to love. I've just been too sure too many times that a student didn't care about their lessons when, indeed, I find out years later that that was very much not the case. And do you see it, friends? Aren't we all feeling this, like, warm and fuzzy feeling right now, thinking about those positive impacts we have on our students' lives? This is the stuff. (laughs) I mean, this is the stuff to focus your energy on. Not parenting styles, not how families spend their money, and not how they spend their time. Focus on your teaching. Focus on clear communication and consistency in maintaining your policies. Focus on student relationships. Focus on your own continuing education. Focus on your own family relationships and how your business is impacting that. Fixate on all of these things and we will all be better for it. Raise a glass, my friends. It's time for a toast. Music teacher friends from all over the world. I'm a little fired up today. I know. (laughs) I am just so sure that you have better things to spend your mental energy on than how other families are operating. We have to know our role in the lives of our students. It's like an enormous role, my friends. (laughs) Being a quality educator takes plenty of its own focus. We don't have time to get sucked into some kind of vortex of frustration over things we can't control. So the next time you find yourself spinning in circles and feeling irritated over studio family dynamics or the way they're approaching their finances or the way they spend their time... (laughs) Just stop it. (laughs) Don't fall into that trap again. It's not worth it, and you're not going to change it. So today, I offer up cheers to accepting the things that we cannot change and all the wisdom and opportunity that comes with doing so. (laughs) Here, here. Phew, okay, I'm surprising myself over here with how emotionally stirred up I am after having written this episode. (laughs) If you could have watched me write this content, you probably would have laughed. I haven't written this voraciously since I wrote episode 51, which was my practice manifesto. (laughs) And before that, it was episode 37, which was Cheers to Money Talk, which, by the way, also has a lot of influence on today's episode for obvious reasons. I'll pop a link to some of those past episodes in the show notes for you. 
while we're getting ready to wrap it up here, I wanted to let you know that I am running a virtual course for high school students this summer who are interested in learning the fundamentals of piano pedagogy. So if you have any high school students or even recent graduates who are considering taking on some students or maybe who already have, I would love to work with them and get them started on the right foot. If you know anything about my backstory, you know that I would have loved someone to offer this to my 14-year-old self. (laughs) It's an eight-session course. It takes place over the summer. The dates are somewhat open right now because I'm trying to base them on the availability of anyone on the email list. So I'm including a link to sign up for that email list in the show notes for today's episode. But if you're not sure where to find the show notes for any given episode or you're having trouble in whatever way, you can always email me at beyondmeasurepodcast at gmail.com. Or, of course, come hang out with me on social media. You can find Beyond Measure Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook. And I would love to connect with you there for any reason you can think of. All right, so send your high school students my way. I am really looking forward. This is the second summer I am offering this, and, you know, it's going to be better than ever. So that's it for now, friends. Onward and upward to your next great teaching adventure. (laughs) We will talk soon.